you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Are you expecting a breakthrough in the house today? If you came expecting, you can leave receiving. Because God is in the house today. Psalm chapter 18, beginning with verse number 6, actually only reading verse number 6. Psalm chapter 18, verse number 6, the psalmist writes, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even unto his ears. In my distress, not after I came out the other side of it, but while I was in my distress. I thought I knew what distress meant, but I just wanted to make sure, so I took a moment just to double check my vocabulary understanding. And distress speaks of pain and anguish applied to the body or the mind. How many of you have ever heard the term a distress call or a distress signal that went out? A distress call is an internationally recognized signal of desperation. When the writer said, in my distress, it speaks that whatever is following that statement is birthed out of desperation. In my distress. Aren't you glad you know you can call on the name of the Lord in the middle of your distress? And he will show up with a miracle. Amen. By the help of the Lord today, I'm going to preach for a little while from this subject, Desperate for a Miracle. Father, we need you this morning to do what only you can do in this house, and that's touch hearts. Lord, I pray this morning for every individual that walked in the doors feeling the pains of distress. Lord, as our worship and our praise has gone out to you this morning, let it be a sign that we're desperate for you. We honor and seek your face in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to a couple of people around you and tell them, I'm desperate for a miracle.
Thank you to this praise team and the three-man band behind me this morning. Desperate for a miracle. Being in dire need and becoming desperate isn't a pleasant nor popular state of being. No one wants to become desperate. Nobody wants to be the person that is desperate for a job. Nobody wants to be the guy on the corner with the sign that says, anything will help. I'm desperate. Desperation isn't pleasant, but it is what miracles are made of. When I looked closely, I saw a pattern in the miracle stories in the Scripture. Right before each miracle, there was clearly an issue of desperation. A person or a group of people were at the end of their proverbial rope and had no hope unless Jesus stepped in to their situation. Miracles are for desperate people. I want you to say that back to me this morning. Miracles are for desperate people. If you're not desperate, then why would you need a miracle in your life? In every miracle story in the Scripture, someone comes to the end of their available choices, running out of ideas, completely out of options, at the end of their own strength, no resources left. The meal and the oil are gone. And that's just when God steps on the scene with a miracle to make everything all right. Desperation will always precede a miracle. We have to be careful or we will just read through the miracle stories in the Bible and miss the desperation in the story. There is a man who was born blind, a man that was born lame, someone's child was sick or dying or demon-possessed. They were all in desperate situations. Thousands of people are hungry and there's not enough food to feed them. A boat full of people are about to sink in the middle of a storm. There were ten desperate lepers. There was a woman with an issue for 12 years and spent all of her money on doctors only to grow worse. But Jesus steps on the scene and he makes a miracle out of a desperate situation. Jesus is the answer for those who are in despair. Jesus is the Savior for those who cry out in desperation. Can I just 
pause for a moment to tell you if you walked in this building and there is something in your spirit that says, I'm hungry, I'm hurting, I'm in distress, I need an answer, I need a miracle, I want to tell you today that you are a great setup in a great situation for God to show up and meet you at the point of your need and to provide a miracle in your life. Oh, come on, somebody needs to give God praise because it may not be you in the need of a miracle today, but it may be somebody in front of you or behind you or beside you that walked in at the end of their rope today. But God has shown up in this room to give them a miracle. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise today. Hallelujah. Those of us who are still pretending that we can get through life on our own strength and don't often turn to God and ask for help will find ourselves growing none but worse. God loves to bless the desperate. He is moved by the feelings of our infirmities. He loves to reach to the broken and to heal those who come to him with their wounds. Let me tell you, this is not a church for people that have everything figured out. I've had people tell me as soon as I get some things fixed in my life, then I'm going to come back to church. Just as soon as I get some of the brokenness in my life put back together, then I'm going to come back to church. Be careful. Because if you get too perfect, this may not be the place for you. But this is a house for people who come in that are broken, that are desperate, that are hurting, whose lives are in shambles, who may not know how they're going to make it through the next week, the next month. But you show up in the house of God and begin to cry unto Him with a desperate cry and He shows up to make everything all right. Sometimes I think we fail to recognize that desperation is a gift from God because we want God to step in before we ever become desperate. This week as I was preparing this message, I began to think through I don't like to preach things I don't feel I'm qualified to preach. I began to think through some of the desperate situations that my wife and I found ourselves in. Through some of the desperate moments. Through some of the situations where we didn't know what we were going to do. We could talk about financial desperation. We could talk about health crisis that we have just walked through. We have looked death in the face. We've walked through some situations where we didn't know what the next move was. We didn't know where to turn to. But there's never been a moment that in the middle of our desperation that we didn't go to God in prayer. I thank God for my family. I thank God for this church. There's some that see people in need and do everything you can physically, financially, emotionally, relationally to help in that situation. But there are some things that money doesn't fix. There's some things that just being there doesn't fix. 
and the only answer is to turn to God in prayer. Don't ever think somebody's just pushing you off when they say, I'm going to help you pray about that because it may be a situation that money can't fix, that relationship can't fix, that showing up to your home isn't going to fix. But I came this morning to tell you there is nothing that prayer can't fix. As I was making my way up greeting people this morning, Good to see Brother Koontzman. I forgot to mention Brother and Sister Koontzman with us this morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Brother Koontzman mentioned to me this morning a prayer request in their life. They've been going through some difficult situations. I want you to know something today, Brother Koontzman. When this church binds together and begins to pray, not just this church, but the people of God begin to pray. Go ahead and get ready because the will of God is going to be done. He will come on the scene. He will make a way out of no way. My late grandfather-in-law, Bishop Price, he used to frustrate me. In my younger years, I'd go to him to talk to him about something. And I was looking for some wisdom, some counsel, some answers. And those of you that knew him well knows what the answer normally was going to be. Well, we're going to pray about it. I don't want to pray about it. I want an answer. And so I'd talk on some more and give him details and try to get something, try to pull something out of him that I was looking for, prolong the conversation. And he'd say, well, but we know that all things work together. I don't like that scripture. I don't want to be told that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. I, I right now look for an answer. Don't tell me that this situation's working for my good. But I've lived long enough and pastored long enough and witnessed it long enough that I have learned that while I don't understand that everything is working together for my good, by faith I know. Uh-huh, they just sang, by faith I know a breakthrough is coming. Well, I don't see it. I can't feel it. It's not tangible. I can't touch it. I want to tell you this morning that by faith, I want you to know in the middle of your distress, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your anguish, get ready. You are a good example of where a miracle can show up and God can make a way for you. issue is, if we can make it on our own, if counseling will do it, if finances will fix it, if we can work out and reason out a way to make it on our own, human nature will allow us to do it on our own. But when we are down to nothing, and we have no other options, and we have nowhere else to turn, and we get 
desperate. We then realize that without God, it is impossible. But we know the things that are impossible with man are still possible with God. Every time we say to ourselves, I can make it on my own, we're fooling our own selves. We're wearing a mask of self-reliance and believing a lie that we are enough. We're all, every one of us, badly in need of Jesus' help. But the truth is, it's only the desperate that go looking for it. Because those that aren't desperate come to church out of service and leave after service and go to lunch and you came as you were and you left as you were. But the desperate show up to the house of the Lord and they say, I can't wait for an opportunity. I can't wait for an opportunity to pour my heart out to him. I can't wait for an opportunity to run to that altar. I can't wait for an opportunity to let God know that I must have him. The desperate will cry out to the Lord. And those are the ones that will receive. Desperation is the point of not being able to pretend anymore. It's the hard things that send us running to God. Your desperation may be working for your good. But when I see people lighting up Facebook with all their troubles and trials and talking about how bad they have it, I'm not too worried about those folks. They're doing okay. They're trying to figure out how to make it on their own. But when folks go silent, I get worried. And hell better get worried. Because when they go silent and they begin to then go to God in prayer, when they realize my neighbor and social media can't fix it and money can't fix it and people people feeling sorry for me can't fix it, but I go to God in prayer and I begin to pray and I get ready because God is going to show up on the scene. Ah, somebody in the building this morning needs to stop hiding your places of weakness and dryness and running out. This is where you're going to meet Jesus at the point that you have nowhere else to turn to. Like the wine at the wedding in Galilee, your best will always run out before his best shows up to trump your best. Why did you save the best to last? Because they served the best they had. But when Jesus showed up, he gave them a wine that was better than what their best was. I come to tell you that the first stage of your life, you thought were your best days. It wasn't your best days. Your best days is when Jesus shows up in your life. Your best days is when he is blessing, when he is helping, when he is with you and walking with you. So this is the economy of miracles, of grace, of running out. This is right where you find Jesus. Desperate prayer at desperate times 
will always bring a miracle just in time. When will you and I get desperate enough to cry out to God for change? My heart has been stirred. I took a little downtime, a little time to just sit back and enjoy family and nature. And I began to ponder and think. I stayed back and let the boys run. I needed a little physical break. I opened my computer, pulled up some scripture, began to read, began to study, began to ponder what I was going to preach on this Sunday morning. My heart began to become stirred as I recognized that some in this room are in desperate need of change in your life, in need of a miracle. You need God to turn some things around. And these things are possible, but they're only possible when we get desperate. There are times when all we have left is a desperate cry for a miracle. We need a supernatural breakthrough that does more than just causes people to feel goosebumps. We need a move of the Holy Spirit that sweeps in and changes things in our lives, in our homes, in our family, in our finances, in our church, in our city, and in our world. Some of you in this room today have come to that point that you know you have nowhere else to turn to. That son that's gone wayward, that daughter that's walked away, you were desperate for a miracle. You're tired of going through the same motions only to end with the same results. Today you are in a great position for your desperate cry to reach out to heaven. If you're in this room today and you're tired of being touched but not being changed, it's time for you to get down to business with God and let your worship be more than just going through the motions of a hand clap or a song or coming to the front and going through the motions of an altar call but you get desperate to say I don't care who thinks what about me God I'm desperate God I must have you God I'm hungry I take you back to scripture when the man became sick enough that he would cry out to the Lord for help. That's when the miracle will come. Are you desperate enough for change in your life that you are willing to cry out in your desperation? When we get desperate enough, we won't care what others say or think. All that will matter is when God shows up and changes our situation. I don't have all the answers. But this much I know, there have been some that have been so very faithful to God, so true to His Word, and yet troubled times have come into your life. I've come to remind you today, it's His Word, His agenda, His time. But my worship, my praise, and my prayer is about to declare, God, you're not waiting on me any longer. 
My worship says I'm desperate. My prayer says I'm desperate. My response says I'm desperate. I'm desperate for a breakthrough. I'm crying out in the middle of my situation. I am desperate enough to cry out for change in my life. I've never been more convinced that what we need is a sovereign move of God's Spirit. Nothing else can replace it. We need to be overwhelmed with a demonstration of His power and His strength. When the children of Israel became desperate enough to stop talking about it, they didn't ask God for their deliverance. The Bible says they cried out for their deliverance. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, the Lord said, Surely I have seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt. But he didn't just say I've seen because God always sees. But he said, Surely I've seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt. And he said, I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. I know what that crying is about. And then he goes on to say, When I heard their cry, I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. Now therefore, behold, the cry, verse 9, watch what it says, The cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. I don't have time to extrapolate everything out of this text this morning. But I just want to say that when we began to cry out to the Lord in our desperate situation, never, never, never let someone say, well, if I'm not crying out, God's not seeing. No, God sees where you are. Don't ever think that you have escaped the watchful eye of care and concern of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever think God doesn't know where you are. And don't even think that he is not walking with you even when you cannot sense or know or feel his presence. But when you cry out to him, that's when he says now I am going to move on their behalf. When will you and I become desperate enough to cry out for change? Gone were the days of salvation that came as a result of Joseph's close relationship with Pharaoh. For the scripture tells us that there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Gone are the days of the descendants of Abraham. They were maintained by the provisions found in Egypt. But those days were distant memories. All that the Hebrews knew were the chains around their ankles and whips on their back. They hadn't done anything wrong. They were God's people. And yet for 400 years they lived in captivity. There was simply no hope for them. But then out of nowhere... Exodus chapter 3 comes on. The scene, behold, 
the cry of the children of Israel is come up to me. What God was saying was, hey, they've been dealing with this for a very long time. That 400 years, I was watching them all the time. But when they became desperate enough to start crying out, I'm not going to allow my children to cry. We got a lot of babies and children around the, 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 the church. There's nothing that I hate any more than to hear a baby cry. When a baby starts crying, I want to do something. I want to help that baby. I don't know what's wrong, but I don't like to hear a baby cry. I want to help give that baby a bottle, change that diaper, rock that baby, walk that baby around, spoil that baby, whatever you have to do. I don't want to hear that baby cry. I want you to make that baby happy. I love to hear. I like to see that baby when that baby's peaceful and smiling and and and, and doing good. I, I probably spoiled my kids more than I should have but I never wanted to see them in despair. I didn't want to see them cry. I didn't want to I didn't want to hear them in pain. I didn't want to see them suffer. I know they've had their own suffering but I they, they had to do it when I wasn't around because I wanted to come on the scene and I wanted to help them because that's what a father does. I come this morning to tell you if we know, if we being human know how to give gifts to our children how much more does the heavenly Father, look down when you begin to cry out in your distress and say, wait a second, I'm looking down in Frankfort, Indiana this morning and I hear somebody's cry. I'm hearing one of my children that are in despair. I'm not going to leave them in that despair, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to make a way for them. This has been going for way too long. God said, I've seen the Egyptians abusing them. The things they're putting into their life, messing with them and hurting them and the pain they're going through. I've heard their prayers. I've seen their tears. And I'm about to step in with a whole string of miracles. I want somebody to know that God knows where you are. And he has been moved by your affliction. And your desperation is the making of a miracle. And I feel like God just wants to show up in this room today just on your account. I hear the voice of the Lord saying today, I am coming down to meet that need of that desperate individual today. Mm -hmm. You've been praying and you've been crying. Psalm 126 says, They that sow in tears are going to reap in joy. He that goeth forth in weep, weeping, bear, weep, and weepeth bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I want you to know today that God has commissioned this preacher to come to this pulpit and preach a message much like Ezekiel today. I am among the captives by the brook Shabar, but I refuse to be counted as one of the captives. I'm just among them. I'm in pain, but my pain is not going to define me. I know a God that is able to help me out of my situation. I want you to know if you'll cry to the Lord today in the middle of your situation, help is on the way. I want the church to know that a miracle is in the making for you today. I'm closing. The music can come. Stand with me all over the room if you would.
I just wonder if anybody in this house today is desperate enough to cry out to the Lord and not worry about who thinks anything about your cry today. The only thing that matters is that God hears your cry. Maybe it's been dark in your world. Maybe you've had years of turmoil and pain and bondage and abuse and heartache and trouble. God has sent this preacher to this pulpit today to let you know that God's heard your cry and he's shown up on this Sunday morning to help you out of your situation. He's trying to help us out of our trouble. Oh, somebody could put the enemy to flight today with your prayer and your worship. You could touch heaven right now all over this room. The Bible said he is touched or he is moved by the feelings of our infirmities. That's you and me. He moves, he's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. The Old Testament ends. There's 400 years of silence after the Old Testament prophets. But then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And when he shows up, everything in the world changes. The Lord has shown up in this house today. He didn't just show up just to make his presence known to anybody today, but he came to make his presence known to the one that is hurting today. Your desperate cry is a miracle in the making. If you're in sickness, there's a miracle for you today. If you're in depression, there's a miracle for you today. If you're battling addiction, there's a miracle for you today because he's a miracle worker. Maybe you feel like your life is a fit like a Ferris wheel that's just going round and round but always ending right back up in the same spot. I want you to know that God, the God of change, is in this house today and He's reaching for you. If that's you that I've talked to today, if it's you that I've spoken to today and you know, you know who you are, You know that I preached to you today because you're the one that's in that desperate situation. You're the one in that painful, emotional, relational, physical situation. And you need God to come on the scene. I invite you to step from where you are. This is the hardest decision that you'll ever make, but the best decision you'll ever make to step from where you are and to walk to the front of this room today and say, I'm coming to bring it to the Lord. I'm bringing it to Him today. I'm not going to continue to carry that load, that pain, and that anguish. God bless these that are coming. Why don't you join them this morning? I invite you. I invite you, church. I invite you, guests. I invite you. Come join us here in the front today. There's some that have come desperate today. Some that have come hungry to be filled today. Oh, let's respond. That's it. There's room for everybody here. Come on, cry to him this morning. 